Welcome to Menu Stories, a series where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. This is our podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein. Today we meet Evan Bloom, co-founder of Wise Sons Jewish Delicatessen, and Eduardo Hernandez, the young chef leading the kitchen at Wise Sons 24th Street flagship restaurant. Evan was raised in a Jewish family in Southern California and began cooking in college with his friend, Leo Beckerman, for the UC Berkeley Hillel, a kind of Jewish students group. Once their cookout started attracting hundreds of students each week from all cultures and backgrounds, the two started a following that would fuel what would eventually inspire the creation of Wise Sons. When Evan's brother, Ari Bloom, came along with the business inspiration, the three were off to becoming first-time restaurateurs. In this episode, we discuss how modern Jews, particularly those living in San Francisco, tend to connect with their culture mostly through food. Synagogue may not always be in the picture, but a Seder dinner is a must. Happy Passover, by the way. While Evan is Jewish, Chef Eduardo is not. He was born in Mexico and grew up in the Mission. We explore why Jewish food and Mexican food are both so comforting, and we hear about the challenges that come with cooking cuisine driven by family recipes that have slight variations across every household. Let's have a listen. Jewish Delicatessen on 24th Street in the Mission in San Francisco with co-founder Evan Bloom and head chef Eduardo Hernandez. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Can you take a moment to introduce yourselves and tell us your roles? I'm Evan. I'm one of the founders of Wise Sons. I started this business with Leo Beckerman and my brother Ari about six, seven years ago now. I've kind of worn every hat in the business from waiting tables to running the line, prep cook, dishwasher. Right now, I do a lot of the uh, top level management. We're trying to grow our business and trying to get our our operations really tight. So I've been working uh, with our team to make that happen. My name is Eduardo Hernandez. I started working at Wison's Deli one year ago. It's gonna be next week. Congratulations. Yeah, it's been amazing working with Wison's. And my role is to manage the deli and 24th Street. I basically do the ordering, organizations, uh, food quality, talking with everyone about specials and things that we want to improve in the deli. Yeah, Eduardo manages all the kitchen staff here at 24th Street. Yeah. Does all the hiring, one of the most important cogs in the business. That's yeah. great. And in your own words, can you describe what Wise Sons is? Sure. So Wise Sons really was founded on the idea of serving food that I and my partners grew up with. Jewish food uh, with good ingredients, made the right way, and really creating a neighborhood place, something that was uh, comfortable for everybody to come in and feel at home and have something delicious and comforting. So what was the inspiration behind Wise Sons, and, and why do you think the mission was the right place for it in San Francisco? Honestly, I think in our heads, we had an idea of this idealized Jewish deli with, you know, this amazing pastrami sandwich and perfect matzo ball soup. And, you know, whether or not that ever existed anywhere, it was something that we wanted to create or recreate here in San Francisco because we couldn't find it here. We didn't have anywhere to go. At that time, you know, my apartment was two blocks from this location on 24th Street. So being a neighborhood restaurant, we wanted to walk to work and live and work in the same the same neighborhood. To us, it was if we could open a neighborhood restaurant on our corner, what would we want? And that's what we did. How did all of you come together on this idea? Like, what, what uh, inspired that conversation? Le- Leo and I went to college together, and we did a lot of cooking for, really for fun. 
Leo and I actually cooked at the Jewish Student Union at Hillel Mm -hmm. for other students. Somebody had donated funds to have a kosher meal once a week, cooked by students, for students. And what started out as cooking for 20 people, hamburgers on a little 12-inch Coleman grill, by the time we graduated, we were cooking for three or 400 people, the most popular event they did once a week. We planned our whole day around going to the grocery store, planning a meal. We had a group of people that we get together every week to cook, whatever we felt like cooking that day. So honestly, we made shawarma, falafel, jambalaya, barbecue, uh, teriyaki chicken burgers. I mean, it was just kind of something that was fun for us. And... You know, I didn't think it would lead to anything more than just a hobby. So you weren't just restricted to Jewish food then when you were doing these? No, the only thing that was restriction was that it was kosher. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. Did you notice that people were coming to these Hillel cookouts who weren't Jewish, who weren't actually part of Hillel? Or was it mostly just the kids that were part of the Hillel membership? No, the dinners that we were cooking became a big event. And it was not just for for those that were Jewish. It was for people to come and have a... I mean, of course, it was free, which was nice. Um, But people came (laughs) together because there was a, a good... There was a good community we built. So there, we would see the same same faces coming back every week and people coming together, eating together, making friends. And I think that's something that we noticed that comforting food really brings people together no matter what type of food it is. You know, we had a, a good time serving people, serving the community, making people happy through food. We left college and went in our own directions. And every time we would get together, we would cook And at some point, we started making pastrami in the backyard, Um, again, out of this idea that it was something that we had missed and we wanted to make perfect. I think one thing led to another. It kind of grew its own legs. My brother at the time was getting his MBA. I had a job, a corporate job, which I wasn't super thrilled with. And he said, why don't you write a business plan? I have the templates. I'm in school right now. (laughs) Maybe Maybe it'll at least keep you occupied for a little bit. And it really just kind of went from there. And so where was all this happening? Where did you and Leo go to school together? Leo and I went to Berkeley. So here local in the Bay Area. Yes. Yes. I've been here since 2003. Is that what brought you to the Bay Area in the first place? Yes. I'm originally from Southern California and came up to college in 2003 at Berkeley and have lived in the Bay Area ever since. Why did you decide to focus on Jewish food when your your brother suggested that you come up with a business plan and, and actually partner with Leo on a real venture together? At the time that we started thinking about this, we were making pastrami in the backyard, and it was just something that we were doing for fun. And we had a lot of people come to us and say, that's, that's missing here. That's something, you know, you're not the only ones that feel the need to make it so they can enjoy that. There's other people that want that experience in San Francisco. So for us, we wanted to create something that was comforting and that was something that was personal. The restaurant, which we would want to eat at if we were the customers, and that's always been something that's important to us. That was, that was it. And I mean, from a business standpoint, probably your brother was thinking too that, I'm guessing, (laughs) that there really wasn't any Jewish deli here in San Francisco, even though there's a pretty significant Russian Jewish especially population. Why do you think that is? When we first started talking about this, we said, well, people have tried it and they failed and there aren't a lot of Jewish restaurants in San Francisco. And why is that? Are we crazy? And to me, I would say, well, I'm going to do it better, which may or may not be the truth. (laughs) But we saw an opportunity And I think that the Jewish community in San Francisco is 
it's a large community, but it's not the type of people that are going to synagogue or are outwardly Jewish every day. And going to the Jewish deli, having a bagel, having a pastrami sandwich, maybe going down to the farmer's market to get a Reuben at lunch, that ties them to their Jewishness. And I think that's part of why we've been successful with the Jewish community in San Francisco. Food is definitely something that we've heard a lot on this series that kind of connects people to each other's cultures. So to that end, Chef, what do you think drew you to Wise Sons? And what is it about cooking this food that connects with you and your culture? When I first heard about Wise Sons, I was surprised because I'd never heard it from before. And I went to high school close to here and, and I was walked by and I, I didn't know there was a Jewish restaurant around here. Here, this area is taquerias and, you know, Salvadorian food. But what inspired me is that for me, I want to learn different cultures and different types of food. And maybe one day bring all those flavors together and try to own something different. How he was saying, like, we're the only Jewish restaurant around here. So for me, it's like one day I want to have my restaurant that's different than what the others are doing. For me, it was exciting to do something different than what I was doing. What were you doing before? Before I was doing uh, American food, so it's a squat and gabo. So there was like American, Mexican, there was all these different type of food. Before that I was working in a French restaurant and I was the only Latino working there. And before, you know, in Mexico, I didn't know there were those type of food. So that inspired me to, you know, deep in different restaurants and try to know what they're doing so I can learn and be better in what I'm doing. Where are you from originally? You said... I'm from Mexico, Puebla, like three hours south of the Mexico City. So, so from a pretty small Small community. town, yeah. When did you come to San Francisco? Ten years ago. My dad moved first and then he he brought us, me and my brother, which also worked with Wisons. Then that's how it started, you know. He bring us here, you know, that was in a new new world, no English, no nothing, inspired me to learn something different, to make my own way, you know. Your dad works in food too, right? Yeah, my dad also works in the restaurant industry. He's like a supervisor in an uh, Italian restaurant, Molinari, over Columbus and Vallejo. Probably it's, it's already in my blood, you know, to be, be cooking and all that, you know. How he was saying, I like to make people happy. Be walking out of here and see happy faces. That for me makes me feel good and confident that I can walk in and do a good job. I think a lot of people associate Mexican food with comfort food and obviously Jewish food. A lot of people associate with comfort food as well. What do you both think it is about Mexican food and Jewish food that elicits that comfort? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that both cuisines, it's food, for lack of a better term, it's food of the people. It's food of a, a population that is subsisting off of what they have. They're using cuts of meat that maybe need to be cooked in creative ways or longer and slower. Or in the case of pastrami, it needs to be smoked. You've got these really heavy, deep flavors. Both Mexican and Jewish food have that in common, and so do a lot of other immigrant cuisines as well. What about for you, Chef? For me, it mostly comes from a background. Why do you think Mexican food is considered comfort food? I think it's because we try to keep it past people we're doing it. You know, there is a way that they keep it in the generation and generations that before they didn't have any machines or steamers or things like that. It was a old school. People keep doing the same thing for over and over again. 
so much of the food tradition of both Jewish food and what we cook at Wyson's and some of the food that Eduardo cooks. He brought in mole the other day, talks about his grandmother's cooking the same way I talk about my grandmother's cooking and that it's something that you remember from growing up and that it's got a history. Those flavors have traveled and stayed pretty true. That's a big reason why people find comfort in this type of food. Is there a specific early food memory that really stands out for you? Me, I try to go back to, to mole and salsas and small things that make a huge difference like for mexico where i am from like mole is like tradition it's like try to bring what my grandma told me or how she was doing it you cooked with her when you were young yeah you know i was watching my grandma doing tortillas doing salsa doing it was amazing for me i have memories of family gatherings my grandmother on my father's side big family four children 14 grandchildren I think there's now eight great-grandchildren. It was very important to her that everybody come over to their house on the Jewish holidays. And she would always make a huge spread and that always had brisket. And there was always kugel and there was always mandel bread that she baked. For me, I think my earliest memory is the smell. And still, to this day, when we're cooking certain things in the restaurant, I smell it and I'm back at my grandma's house. You've been talking a lot about how your inspiration and the source of comfort for both of you comes from kind of traditional family recipes. So within the realm of Jewish food, do you ever get pushback from customers around um, different sort of types of recipes? Because every family has a different spin on their own traditional food. How do you deal with that? Well, we get a lot of people that come in here that think that they know a way to do it better or that they're their their grandmother did it better or the deli they grew up in eastern New Jersey did it better. Part of that is I think because this kind of food, this comfort food, we associate so much with the experience and the nostalgia. I kind of look for those moments knowing that so much of that's nostalgia and but we've been able to transport somebody and bring those memories back. But also we have those that want to bring in their own holler recipe or their chopped liver recipe. Uh, we had a woman that brought in her own matzo ball soup and sat us down and made sure we tasted it and, and told us, you know, isn't that better? You know, how do you, how do you respond to that? I'm sure that there are people that send food back because it's not the way that they remembered it or the way that they would have done it, but it's good. So what happened with that matzo ball soup recipe? <laughs> we just, that's we amazing just, that you guys even entertained it. We I were think. Very, well, with, with Jewish mothers, sometimes you don't have a choice. Uh, we, we were very, very polite. I have some great pictures uh, <laughs> sitting in the corner eating matzo ball soup out of the Tupperware. That happened a lot, especially at the beginning. <laughs> or people would leave recipes or email us recipes. But that's also what, what makes this food so special, is that everybody's got a connection to it. Yeah. Does she come back and accept that? Of course. <laughs> of course. Your matzo ball we've, soup We've given people like that a reason to, to complain and a reason to think about think about these recipes and these traditions and histories and their past and I think that's success. And complaining is like part of the Jewish experience anyway so that you're kind great, of really great story <laughs> when we first when we first opened the pop-up a friend related this to me there was a couple in line another couple and they leaned over to the other couple and they said you know we were here last week we waited an hour in line and the food it was okay it was it was it was pretty good you know, the, the matzo ball soup was under-seasoned, and I wouldn't uh, cook the matzo ball so light. And they're standing there in line with probably for another 45 minutes, and they brought another couple back the next weekend. And my friend says to me, you know, you've given them a reason to complain, so you've done your job. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, I guess, anybody can watch an episode of Seinfeld and understand yes. <laughs> where this comes from. 
This is Rebecca Goberstein, and you're listening to Menu Stories, a series where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. This is our podcast, and we'll be right back with Evan Bloom and Chef Eduardo Hernandez of Wise Sons. What is Jewish food in your mind? Like, what, what do you think are the quintessential things that make Jewish food Jewish food? When we came up with Wise Sons, we called them the pillars of Jewish deli, the things that we had to start with. And that was matzo ball soup, smoked salmon on a bagel or a bialy, pastrami, of course, you have the pickle, and then chocolate babka, because it's something that we grew up eating as kids. So those were kind of the pillars. Those are the things we built the menu around. But Jewish food is, this is Jewish deli food. It's really the food of the Jews of the East Coast of New York. It's food of immigrants coming from different parts of Europe and making a mishmash and coming up with something all its own. So I think actually Jewish deli food is American food. What do you mean by that? It's a food that doesn't exist outside the United States. Jewish deli, if you've ever had it outside of America, it's because somebody has brought it from the United States back to, to wherever they are. Different Eastern European cultures brought food with them. The Germans, the Russians, the Ukrainians, the Polish, they all brought different aspects of the deli to the East Coast, to New York, to Montreal. When everything was put together, we got the food that we know it as today, a pastrami sandwich with meat stacked high on a piece of rye bread. And that's not a European thing. Jewish immigrants, they didn't have that kind of beef. you know, in the old country, that's a... Or that much of it. Or exactly, (laughs) that much of it. Um, So, you know, in a way, it's a very triumphant cuisine. You hear that about a lot of other cultures. My wife's Korean, and she said Korean barbecue is a huge thing in the United States, and it's starting to go back to South Korea now. But until recently, most people in South Korea couldn't afford to eat that much meat. So, you know, the food gets translated when it moves kind of like a form of showing your success. Exactly. So what's been the most challenging thing since you opened Sons and since blossoming into different locations? You have the bakery. The biggest challenge for me has been, I think it all centers around the fact that this is the first time I've ever really managed people. Having more and more employees, different types of people, people that speak English, that don't speak English, that don't know Jewish food, some people that this is their passion and they love cooking, or for some people that this is just a passing job they might have for a few months, that's been really tough. What about for you, Chef? For me, the same thing. It's a challenge for me to manage people because... I'm very young, that's how people see it, like, you're young and you manage 15 people around you and it's incredible. I couldn't handle that, that and I'm 34 years old, so took it like as a challenge because I like to challenge myself and do things that people might think that I wouldn't do it right. But when I fell and I go back and I see what I did wrong, I try to learn something and do better next time so people will appreciate it. We hired Eduardo when he was 22 to manage the kitchen, which is just shows how much poise he has. That's incredible. And you're young yourself, Evan. I'm 31. I mean, that's... (laughs) We've done a lot very, very quickly. We're very fortunate when we first opened this restaurant. It it was basically built so Leo and I and a few staff could operate. And it was busy from day one. And, you know, we've kind of been working with what we've got. But we never thought it would be what it is today. So what's been the most rewarding thing as you kind of think back about how you've expanded and how you've stayed consistently busy at the 24th Street location? It, you know, honestly, the most rewarding thing is also the people, not just the customers, 
which is great. Like Eduardo mentioned, when people come in and they leave happy or they leave with memories, that's great. But also to have people come and work for us, start as a dishwasher and move to a prep cook and then you know start working on the line. For me, something that's really big is sometimes it's hard to come to terms with, but there's 80 plus people that rely on me or my company to provide them their livelihood and their paycheck at the end of the week. And we've all, we always pay on time and we've always, I think, treated our people very fairly. And that's, to me, what a successful business should do. What are you looking forward to next? <laughs> we are currently working on getting our product into the grocery store. So you'll hopefully be seeing Wysun's Rye, Bobka, Hala, Bagels in your local grocery store. That's awesome. And just continuing. <laughs> Selfishly. Yeah, I'm excited exciting. about it. But also for us, just continuing to build the company and to, you know, we opened, like I said, kind of by the seat of our pants and we kind of had to go back and reorganize things. We weren't restaurant people. So we've, we've been trying to get everything organized and together and bring on people that really want to help us grow and we want to help them grow. That's also been a big push for us and will continue to be. Are there more locations, other areas in the future for Wysons? Uh, yes, we are going to be opening up a bagel shop in Larkspur in Marin. It'll be the first time we've done anything outside of San Francisco. Also the first time we've done anything more than a few miles away. Um, I think it's 12 miles, which seems like 100 sometimes. And that'll happen in the spring of That's fantastic. Uh, 2017. I mean, we picked there because we have a, a lot of our, our clientele live in the North Bay. We started doing a farmer's market at San Rafael at the Marin Civic Center, which has been incredibly popular. And people don't want to come all the way into the city to pick up their bagels or their sliced pastrami. We're excited to breed a new, new regulars and really new opportunities. That's great. And there's definitely a lot of breweries and wineries up there, obviously, as well, which I'm sure would pair wonderfully with some of the food that you guys serve. Yeah, well, yeah we're really excited about it. And, you know, the reason we're able to do these kind of things is because, again, I know I keep harping on it, but... I'm sure anybody you've talked to in the restaurant industry recently, it's all about the people that work for you and bringing on people that can make things operate without you, the owner, being there. So that's that's the only way we've been able to do it. Speaking of which, uh, recently the Carnegie Deli closed. What did that mean to you as somebody who's new into the Jewish deli world? So the Carnegie Deli closing, to me, they they have a lot of history. They're They've been around a very long time, but, you know, restaurants close. And they've been around, I think, 80-some-odd years, and it sounded like the owners just didn't want to do it anymore for whatever reason. And it's sad because it's, it's a Jewish deli gone. But at the same time, you know, we're trying to do something a little bit different that we hope has a little bit more staying power. I mean, if we were here for 80 years, that would be incredible. Giving people something that is a little bit more in line with what we think people should be eating. The Carnegie Deli was famous for its sandwiches that were, you know, many pounds and the size of your head, and that's well and good, but you shouldn't probably be eating that. So, um, but it, it's definitely sad to see a Jewish deli go, but I also feel that there's a lot of other good young restaurateurs that are opening, like restaurants, to us, um, and that makes me feel good. Out here and in the New York area. Everywhere, across the country, across the world even, and finding a sustainable business model operating a restaurant is tough selling meat is tough getting people to understand the value and what goes into making that that sandwich it's a constant struggle so i understand 
Is there a deli that kind of stood out to you as something that you were aspiring to replicate or improve upon? I think a lot of what we had kind of set out to do was in our heads of this perfect pastrami sandwich that we had as kids, whether it did or didn't exist. You know, obviously Katz's in New York is very famous. We went there a lot as a child, but we opened a little bit after a restaurant Mile End in Brooklyn. Young owners make everything from scratch similar, and I think seeing them do it was really inspirational for us. I mean, I think they showed us that it could be done. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure to meet you both and hear your story. You just heard the 46th episode of Menu Stories, an ongoing series of multimedia stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. If you enjoyed this story, please spread the word to your friends about the work we do. Subscribe to the Menu Stories series on menustories.com so you can get the next episode delivered to your inbox. There you'll also find the complete Wise Sons episode with pictures and a behind the scenes video. You can find us on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at Menu Stories, and on Twitter, we are at Menu underscore Stories. This podcast is also available on iTunes. This episode was edited, produced, and photographed by yours truly. Special thanks to Monica Lowe, who edited the photography for this episode, and to Patrick Wong, Menu Stories video producer and videographer. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein, and until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.